0: Greetings from Cyberdelic Space, this is Lorenzo and I'm your host here in Psychedelic Salon 2.0 and I'm pleased to begin today by thanking Samuel G, Jonathan P, and Joel L for their PayPal donations as well as Tom R. and his friend Christine, who sent a check, along with a kind note, and also to Morpheus, who sent what he called a small Bitcoin donation, but, well, no Bitcoin donation is small. You see, I've been saving all of the Bitcoin donations that I've received over the years, so if a fellow Soloner made a donation in Bitcoin back when it was only $900 a coin, well, that donation today is worth ten times as much. It's the gift that just keeps giving. So to Morpheus, Tom, and our other donors here in the Salon, I thank you once again for helping to keep these podcasts uh, from the Salon coming your way each week. Well, almost every week. (laughs) I've slipped up a few times in the past, but I'll try to not miss any weeks again if I can help it. Now, during the month of April, five new supporters join me in my Patreon endeavors, and these fine people are Sean M., Peter K., John M., Anna and Tom B. And so far this month, Cohen H. has joined as well. And that brings my Patreon family to a total of 86 patrons who have joined together to support my writing projects, and who have been the key in allowing my wife and I to remain in our current place of residence after our landlord raised our rent. So the uh, simple truth is that we probably wouldn't be here in the salon today without their help as well. And in addition to the financial support for the salon and for me personally, several of our other fellow saloners have sent me books to review for you. And while I receive books to review every once in a while, well, these last three have uh, really captured my attention. However, uh, I'm only able to read about one book a week, so it's going to take a bit before I can report back to you about these books. One of them is about the Timothy Leary Archive. It's called The Timothy Leary Project, and it was written by Jennifer Ulrich. And, uh, well, it has a foreword by Dr. Leary's son, Zach, who has also been a longtime supporter of the Salon. And the preface is by Michael Horowitz. So uh, I'll be doing a complete podcast on this one in a few weeks uh, once I can get an interview recorded with Dennis Barry and Bruce Damer, both of whom were uh, instrumental in saving the Leary Archive during the years before it was moved to the New York City Library. Now, the other two books I'm reading right now are The Techno-Pagan Octopus Messiah, <laughs> which was written by a fellow Saloner, Ian Wynn, who is also the uh, fellow Saloner who sent the Terence McKenna recordings that I'll begin playing in my next podcast. Uh, and once I finish that novel, I'll tell you more about it as well. And then this week, I received Dark Star Rising by Gary Lackman, and uh, the subtitle of this book is Magic and Power in the Age of Trump. <laughs> well, normally I would have uh, passed on that one because I try to keep politics out of these podcasts as much as possible. But since it was written by Gary Lachman, it uh, well it got my attention. As you know, uh, if you've been a long-time listener here, I never really got into punk rock. The closest that I came was uh, with the music of Blondie, who was uh, what I think of as punk light. But since Gary Lachman was the original bass player in Blondie, well, that book also got my attention, and I'm already hooked on it, so I'll be talking about that as well on a future podcast. As you can tell, uh, I usually read more than one book at a time because my attention span seems to be getting shorter as I get older. And uh, now I've begun writing more than one book at a time. (laughs) Well, several years ago, I started working on a sequel to The Genesis Generation. But after a half a dozen or so drafts, I just got stuck. And uh, two years ago, I finally put it up on the shelf and gave up on it. But then just a few weeks ago, I had one of those aha moments, and I figured out a better way to tell the stories that I'd been trying to tell in the sequel. And now it's rolling along once again. Uh, Most likely it's going to take another year to finish it and have it edited. But in the meantime, I'm also continuing to work on the Chronicles series. And uh, the next volume of the Chronicles should be finished by this fall. And before the sequel to the Genesis Generation is finished, I plan on publishing that as well as one more volume of the Chronicles. And, yes, I plan on continuing to publish these books directly into the public domain, so you'll be able to get a PDF copy of them for free. In fact, right now, if you go to LorenzoHaggerty.com, and that's Haggerty with one G, but go to LorenzoHaggerty.com slash freebooks, You'll be able to download free copies of The Genesis Generation, The Chronicles of Lorenzo, The Spirit of the Internet, and Scattered Thoughts. And uh, I've got a couple more that I plan on posting there in the future. As for the sequel to The Genesis Generation, I'm finally going to be able to do something that I've thought about for many years. I'm going to publish it one chapter at a time on Patreon. Now, ever since learning about how some of the 19th century authors published one chapter of their new books at a time in various magazines, well, it's been something that I wanted to try. And uh, since my supporters on Patreon are essentially paying me to write these books, in addition to posting their names in the front of the books, I'm also going to give them the first chance to read them, one chapter per week, just like we're back in the 19th century. (laughs) How's that for trying to slow things down a bit? The other thing that I'll continue to do for my patrons is to uh, host a weekly conversation on Zoom. As you know, uh, these past two months I opened up our weekly patron Zoom conferences to the public at large, but the fact is that it didn't work out very well. A week ago, when I did a first Monday conference, some uh, simple-minded children decided to disrupt us and made it impossible to have a conversation. So I've decided that for the time being... I'm only going to host these meetings for my Patreon supporters, with whom I've now enjoyed almost two dozen Monday evening conversations. And since there are only 86 supporters on Patreon right now, these weekly conversations are much easier to manage than they would be if I opened it up to the entire salon, where <laughs> well, where there are hundreds of thousands of fellow saloners. And for what it's worth, all of my supporters on Patreon can participate in these online conversations, not just those who can afford a larger monthly donation. One dollar a month will get you into our interesting little group. And uh, so far, the largest Monday night group that we've had was, well, it was only 10 people. And uh, we've gotten to know one another quite well. But we would sure love to see some new faces and hear some new ideas. Maybe we'll see you next Monday. And if you're already one of my supporters on Patreon, I'll send you the details through the Patreon email system. Well, uh, I guess that I've taken more time than I should have before introducing today's program. But since the program is a bit short, I'm going to be back after we listen to our fellow saloners in Charleston, and I'm going to play a couple songs for you. And now, here at long last, is Lex Pelger, who will introduce the storytelling session that we are about to join. I'm Lex Pelger, and this is the Psychedelic Salon 2.0.
1: Today, I'm happy to bring you our storytelling stop in Charleston, South Carolina. It was a beautiful rainy night in a brewery overlooking the river, and the event was to kick off for the group, the Society for the Exploration of Altered States. I hope you enjoy.
2: We are navigators of mare Incognitum, the unexplored sea, the uncharted waters of consciousness. Many merely skim the surface; fewer plunge right in. For those who do, the vessels of choice are simply our own minds and bodies. Of course, though the tools of exploration may differ flotation therapy, meditation, yoga, holotropic breathwork, and theogens, lucid and non-lucid dreams, active imagination, etc., etc.—our goals are similar: to induce or achieve an altered state of being which allows us to reach the very depths of our psyche, sift through the heavy layers of detritus lying on its vast seabed, and unnerve gnosis or knowledge into who and what we are at levels beyond the surface, to rediscover our true reality, our true nature, our true self. That this is the treasure we seek. But at some point we must resurface with this newfound trove. We must make the slow return home, or risk being eternally lost at sea. The journey back may be more treacherous than before, but we must make it. Upon our arrival, how might we make sense of this rich bounty before us? For it is, for it is often burdensome, burdensome, painful, and confusing. How will it enrich us in the days, months, and years ahead? How do we integrate this once deeply held knowledge into our waking lives and then share it with others so they too may be enriched? And how shall we safely and courageously support them on their own voyages once they heed the call? We are about to begin a journey into the deep unknown. We'll encounter these questions and others with great curiosity, humility, compassion, and awe through a series of group discussions, presentations, films, experiential activities, community collaborations, and more. So join us. We are all in this together. The title is Miss Carolina. It is almost dark when Miss Carolina of 78 drifts into sadies with the autumn wind behind her. All innocence has been scraped away, leaving something that's dark, fierce, mature. No longer queen of the old Tar Heel Palmetto state, she has traded her evening gown for something less elegant. Her scuffed stilettos strike the tile floor as she heads for the booth only a few feet away. She slides to the center of the table with a sort of faded grace and places the napkin over her lap and waits. As if on cue, the old cronies at the nearby bar refill their drinks and flock to her the way photographers flock to their prized cover story. I should know. I used to be one of them. I wonder if she remembers that night we shared the night, the press buzzed and hummed around her, flashing our tiny camera bulbs like dancing fireflies, A somebody surrounded by nobodies. I wonder if she remembers me. I sit and sip my gin and watch. I watch as the gent in blue draws close and whispers sweet profanities into her ear. Maybe he's telling her that her eyes are like eclipsed moons. Her body is built like a thoroughbred horse. Her loins could topple nations. Maybe. Motivate, motivated by some primal instinct, I reach for my camera but discover a bottle in its place. Not wanting to miss such an opportunity, I free my fingers over her face and take the shot. Miss Carolina glances in my direction a second too long, and I smile an inch too wide. To the dismay of her would-be suitors, she excuses herself and glides towards me. Do I know you from somewhere, she says. Nope, I say. Are you sure? I'm sure. Making herself comfortable, she shares my glass and pours a drink. Do you think I'm pretty, she says. Yes. Pretty enough to get paid. I pause for a second. Hmm. Maybe. She smiles and places her hand on mine. And maybe that's all she wants. Maybe that's all we want. To be told that we're beautiful, that we're handsome, that we're loved. Thank you. So
1: I was thrown from this earth into something completely unwarranted. I didn't I didn't ask for it, I didn't try for it, it was just something that happened to me. Um, so I just spent a lot of time thinking, meditating, and not even meditating. Meditating is the wrong word because I just thought a lot. And I like to be relaxed and think and contemplate things in reality and what could be, what is, what isn't. And one day, I'm sitting in my room. My futon, of course, okay, so it's going to sound bad. I have black lights, black light posters, all these things, incense, and I'm listening to a radio broadcast called Hearts of Space. I don't know if anybody even knows what that is anymore. Um, It's quite old. Thank you. Somebody knows. Um, and it's more of a celestial ambient sort of psycho I mean it, it might be one Tibetan bell for an hour you don't know I mean it really is just medicinal um, an auditory sort of realm and I'm sitting there on my futon completely aware of where I am at what I'm doing what I'm thinking what I'm s- well, I'm not speaking but if I wasn't speaking I would be aware of it I all of a sudden uncompletely uncompl- <sighs> aware that I was going to catapult into the I don't even know what to call it. Like I I actually like lifted off the seat, off the planet, into the atmosphere, into the stratosphere into the galaxy i was literally transported into a wormhole sitting there on my futon perfectly aware of where i was completely unobstructed from thought i knew i was sitting there i knew i was in my room i knew i was listening to this music i knew that i was there amongst my things of this earth and of this sound and smells and all these things. However, I was completely 100% in control of where I was going. How does this happen? (laughs) It it doesn't happen easily because it's only happened once. Alright. So I push harder and harder and harder and harder and harder to push. I don't know. You know what I'm pushing towards. I'm, I'm literally trying to just go as far as I can while I have the opportunity to while I'm in control of it. Because as I lose control of it, I notice that I start to gain awareness of my physical being back wherever it is that I started, because at this point I'm not really sure where I started. And as I push further and further and further, things become more bright and wonderful and grandiose and crazy. and And then, as a matter of like thought, And it it, it took me what felt like an eternity to get there. I'm literally sitting right back in my seat. I mean, in the most like, I'm back where I was, back where I started. 100% aware of I spent the last, you know, day exploring the universe. However, I ended up back in my seat seconds from where I started. Completely unaware of where I was and how things were happening, and still to this day, I question. (laughs) I question a lot, so I don't know. Any questions? (laughs) I have many. Um, I have slinky dreams. I call them where I actually fall asleep and just slinky off into oblivion, but yeah, no, no, not like that, like nothing on the the level of 100% aware of where I was and what I was doing, and my duality of spaces, where my physical being was and where my spiritual being was, that was the big disconnect, and that has only happened once in my life, and... No amount of searching I've done has led me back there, I hate to say it, but one day, I will find it. So, do you remember specifically the Uh, no, I wish I did. Um However, I will say that if you go and find Hearts of Space, it took me, I've searched for it for a very long time. I actually finally found it within the last, like, year again. Um, used to be on NPR or one of the uh, public radio stations along with uh, another radio broadcast um, what's it called on. what's that rock, good rock right gay nah no, this is this is uh, this is entirely different this is like okay so anybody remember New Age like New Age came out okay yeah, yeah Okay, New Age is one of those 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 that exist. And it, thinking, yeah, they did. They did. Um, there's actually a radio broadcast that comes on NPR right now. And here it comes on all of the time. It's um, Echoes. Echoes. Yes, she got it. Um, it used to be that Echoes came on a couple nights a week and then Hearts of Space was that once a week thing. And Hearts of Space, in my opinion, was the actual like Meditative. Like, if you could actually do that, that was, that was where is that? Parse of space, what's that? Ah, oh, believe me, I know. And it's out there. So, anyway, I'm gonna hand it off to Lex. <laughs>
3: Hey guys, my name is Raven, and I'm here today to talk about my first ayahuasca experience. Um, I've seen a National Geographic episode on TV, maybe like not unlike a lot of other people who have found this thing, and I thought it was crazy, yes, what are these people doing? Oh my goodness, but I was so curious, so I watched it again. <laughs> it scared the crap out of me, and then this time I took a deep breath, and I decided to go down and I sort of planned my trip and I did a lot of research thank goodness I'll come to that later um, but yes yeah, so I went down and stayed with a shaman that was um, thank you that was one of the thank you that's much better yes <laughs> so I went down to Aquito's Peru in 2012 early 2012 and um, I stayed with a shaman that had been on NPR and you know I expected he at least he'd at least you know tell me when the ceremony is going to start I didn't even know when the ceremony would start I'm in his house but very nice guy Um, but what I learned from that trip big trip (laughs) was that thankfully yes I did that research Um, there were medications and things that I, I should be taking you know with ayahuasca and also I built a relationship with ayahuasca before I went down so it was just myself and the plant spirit and thankfully I did that because the shaman wasn't available he was just you know sort of it sounded like gossiping maybe with like the local Peruvians or figuring out what's going on like asking the spirits but uh, but it, it didn't matter because I'd already died and all these things so um, <laughs> so I wasn't even there anymore yes <laughs> so the first thing that happened whatever, and it was about five to ten minutes it seemed. I don't know that this was pure ayahuasca um, from future experiences and seeing it but um, in this experience i uh i mean it was ayahuasca they add add mixtures like um, a common one is called towing or brugmansia, uh detura we grow it here in south carolina it's very dangerous and um larger doses so it's kind of like uh yeah it's a very small window for safety thankfully i don't know everything went well everything went well i just died <laughs> First thing, I died, and um, I could feel the maggots and the ants, you know, naturally cleansing my bones. Before that, I want to say I started with the intention of how do I get rid of this existential anxiety as an intention, you know, going in and planning. Um, so it said die, <laughs> and that was immediate, and it was natural, and it was beautiful to me, but I think it was more because I was able to let go of any, um, any expectations, and I think that's really important before you go into these heavy, you don't know what's coming, you know. It's just that you're going on this ride and you've got to just take the ride and, you know, take it for what it is and know you're going to get back off. <laughs> it's going to be okay, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this beautiful death and, um, yeah, Max and the ants. When I left, I had this objective feeling of leaving my body. And then I could see the body from above and I was covered in serpents. It took the form of my body after, and then I was sh- thong. <laughs> and um, beautiful things happened. I got to visit with, or my mom and my brother, they came to visit me. And, um, you know, they passed on, and they let me know that they're in a good place. And I kind of already felt that, so maybe that was in there somewhere. I don't know, but they came and visited me, and it doesn't matter. So. <laughs> and it was beautiful. They were off in this void. You couldn't see where they were. Um, it was just, like, these 2-D images their faces, but they were speaking to me, but just without words. But I didn't think about, you know, I didn't think that was coming during my trip. Um, I didn't know what was coming. I don't know. I just kind of went in. And then um, I experimented with things that I'd read about, and one was, um, you know, healing your family members or, you know, somebody had written something about (laughs) sending snakes down, and, and I did that. During my trip, I sent snakes down into my aunt's spine, <laughs> thinking that I was healing her. She needed help, but I also knew she was terrified of snakes, like that's her biggest fear. <laughs> and so I apologized while I was doing it, and I thought I was helping her. I could see how she was sleeping with her husband, with her leg, you know, over him. And so I asked the next day um, if they remembered anything around that time. I didn't know what time it was. <laughs> Um, and she didn't remember anything. She takes really strong epilepsy medicine, and, um, but she had the worst nightmares of her life, her husband said, and she has pretty bad nightmares. So it's pretty big. What was very interesting from this is that the, and I can say this here in South Carolina, the good old boy, <laughs> her, her husband, nobody knew what that was in Brock. <laughs> Um, so he's a good old boy, you know. Like he, he doesn't know a whole lot about you know other cultures and things. And but what he described was a recurring dream where this um, this native woman would come. Or no, she wouldn't come. She was just there. He came into her home over and over every night. He would walk in, and there was a naked, well, indigenous woman. He didn't know. He said, "Not like our Indians." And I was like, okay, well, maybe this is Peruvian, you know, like a different bone structure and things. Um, And he said he just felt this warmth. And that's what you feel on the ayahuasca, this warmth, you know, like the the embrace. And and yeah, that was his dream, just recurring. He would just get in the bed, see the naked woman, get in the bed, recurring, shouldn't be too bad. Very nice dream, I think. Um, I don't know about that warm feeling. But they said, never do that voodoo, SHIT, Death again <laughs> and uh, yeah <laughs> so that happened and um, yeah just basically from oh ah, yeah from there um, I mean it was a really beautiful experience it's something I feel I might still be integrating um, you know like where it's, at the end I had this time where I could meditate and I asked how can I best help others and it said I could audibly hear it from the left side um, And the, you know, all the visuals were over. And it was also something I'd read about that I could meditate at the end. (laughs) And then um, I heard, you already know. And I was like, no, I don't. I want to ask that question. (laughs) It's like a magic eight ball. So I asked again. (laughs) And then it said, the universe will make it happen. And that was literally the words that came to my head. I don't know where it came from, honestly, because I don't think I would have asked myself (laughs) that question again. But... It was very clear when it said the universe will make it happen. And that part about integration, I think, yeah. I just took on a major project, the Aftercare project, after a head injury. And, um, but it was needed. And what's cool is, is organically, like these people have come together to, you know, to help with the project, like Michelle here. And, um, just, you know, just there's more happening from that, just from, you know, the community is starting to take note and, you know, the research is focusing you know, it's so much fun to focus on all the benefits and then on the wet blanket the whole time. It's about the you know, the safety. But what I had seen there in the Amazon was just that it's a simple lack of communication and education and I felt like it was something that we could let's just fix that. <laughs> and then we can save the, you know, the reputation of the plant and the research and everything. Safety and yeah, That it was so simple. And then I uh, got into the thesis, and I realized you know we're all wired a little bit differently, yes. And then different metabolism. But um, also, I got into research, learning about what's in the community, and that there are places where you can go to you know get further understanding about you know your get pre screening is what they call it, you know, to see if you might your chances of having any sort of really difficult challenges down there but um, and then just yeah the community is coming together to help people to integrate these powerful experiences and their life changing experiences a lot of times even whenever someone doesn't experience vision it's upsetting um, it makes people feel like they're not uh, feel rejected I guess in a way like mother ayahuasca they didn't want to give that to me and maybe they don't understand just the chemistry or they have to do it you know, maybe again, and then your body will be ready like cleanse, or um, but yeah, if anybody has any safety questions around ayahuasca, I'm always happy to help there, if there's anything I can answer, I'd love to, to help with that, and um, if there's anything I can't, I can always ask, you know, a large group of researchers that are, and we're definitely, we're all learning together on this journey, this grand journey that is this life. <laughs> so, um, Yeah, anybody reach out to me anytime um, if you're considering any sort of psychedelic, really. um, And then I'll put you in touch with someone that would be the right person. And that's what it's all about, really, is community in the universe. Yes, coming together to make it happen. (laughs)
4: death experience with the birth of this lovely being (laughs) which took me out and since that time my life has been a stripping of identity and that's a painful process and a beautiful process at the same time Um, and some of the steps took a lot of courage but they always show up at my doorstep right when I need them so the use of substances has never been something I sought but would come almost like this (laughs) I'd meet someone and it unfolds so um, the last six years have been challenging of trying to create um, a new life and how to survive with money and everything. And um, so it took a lot of courage. And I have, my community is spread out. So I have like a person in Seattle and a friend in Kona and a friend in Boston. So um, one of them suggested that I try something easy, easy to obtain, which was salvia. Um, so I got it on my own at the little store up on Rivers Avenue. And, um, and they said, you know, it'd be great to have somebody sit with you, but I, they, they said, you're a very grounded person. So I think you can do it alone. So the, I tried it once and I'm not very good at inhaling or anything. So I felt like I just had a teeny tiny little trip and it was lovely and interesting and colorful and supportive. I was in three places at one time. And it lasted about four minutes, but I was in the kitchen at the same time. I knew I was here, and I was having a conversation. So, and I was very aware of all three fully. Um, so I got confident, and I tried it again alone. And um, I went out just one tiny puff, and I was way out. And it wasn't supportive like it felt before. I was um, like in a stadium that represented the world here, and I was up on the stage with these beings that were probably about 20 feet tall, and they were dark. They looked like the people who do carnival, like in the islands. And at first it seemed jovial and fun, and so the masses were all out there, and they were telling me about the show they were putting on for the masses, and it was funny Um, But then I realized it wasn't. It was sinister. And so I tried to escape. And they started laughing and laughing that I thought I could escape. And so I went up to each level in the stadium. And as soon as I would hit that level, I don't know if anybody's done salvia, every time it's very auditory, I could hear the doors slamming. And it was metal and steel. And I couldn't get through. So I'd run up to the next level, and it would shut. And the beings were getting smaller and smaller and they were laughing and they were showing me that there is infinity and there is no end. And the reason they were laughing is they said, we have you trapped here. We have everyone trapped here. Um, what was frightening about it is that I felt like I couldn't come back and I couldn't get out of it. And it wasn't a long time. It was very, very spooky, but I was holding on to the countertop when I, when I came back out, just begging to come back to my little life. But it felt bad even when I came back to my little life because it felt like life was a bit hopeless. That is not my outlook at all. Um, So I was visited by emotions that I have never personally experienced. And it stayed with me for a little while, a couple of weeks maybe where it would revisit and I would almost get a taste in my mouth and the sound and this feeling that humans are trapped. And they don't know it. And it's just a show they're watching. So it was a challenging time of my life. So I thought that was interesting, and I almost felt like had I tapped into something else that wasn't mine. That this is not like me at all, and I got a glimpse of how desperate that could feel to think that there is no hope, and that you know it's just a recycling of souls trapped. So that's one that one experience that I've had that hasn't been fully integrated. I don't think, but. It was interesting. Um, so I haven't had any experiences since then. Um, bit, uh, but I just wanted to throw that one out I don't have any nice little bow to wrap it up with.
5: <laughs> I'm not really an outgoing person. I kind of grew up in a very you know, sheltered kind of lifestyle. Um, I didn't get to see a lot of what the world was. Um, I d- didn't even really know what a party was until I got to college. I was not allowed out of my house for fear of me accidentally getting my hands on alcohol. Um, so, I guess to, I would say that I'm more of a pragmatic kind of person. Um, I don't. I used to never really think of. Uh, the world in any kind of spiritual sense or any kind of uh, religious sense. Um, I really saw things as, you know, what you see is what you get. That's all you're going to get, you know. Um, It wasn't until I started, you know, branching out on my own. I had a lot of questions growing up. I, I suffered a lot from anxiety and depression growing up. Um, and I didn't really know what it was. You know, and I, I'd always kind of had it for as long as I could remember. Um, and really, the only advice that I could get from anyone I knew was, well, that's just the way life is. Um, it's hard. Uh, it's emotionally uh, just one big turmoil, and you just have to kind of live with it. You have to just suck up and take, take it, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so it made me really think about, well what's the point in all of that? Uh, is it to just sit here in anguish, uh, in pain until we roll over and fall into a grave? Um, so I started you know trying to branch out and figure out what what all this is and will I always be in this this state of mind? Will I always be in this almost conflict? At all times, trying to break out of this uh, box of being—you know—almost It almost felt like being was being trapped. It was being in some kind of sick circus game. Um, when I finally moved out of, uh, you know, my house, you know, with my parents and my family, I—I um, I fell into a deeper depression. I felt like there was nothing there's nothing left there was no one to go to there's no one to hold on to. Every therapist gave me these kinds of ideas of uh you know finding something in life uh, go take a bike ride go look at a go look at trees go try and go go try theater go try to express yourself through poetry and none of it said anything to me, nothing grabbed me. Nothing told me or showed me anything, so I decided that I wanted to do something, anything. I, I couldn't live in that kind of emotional state anymore. Um, so I decided that you know I would go and talk to some friends and find out what they would, what they've done. Some people, you know, had turned me on to different kinds of psychedelics. Um, a friend of mine had introduced me to marijuana. And that's the biggest thing that I tried my entire life. And I know most people here would say, oh, well, that's just it's marijuana, it's very benign. Um, and that really shook me to my core. Um, but it wasn't, it, it just kind of opened the lid to, to that other world that you know I think we've all seen. Um, so I decided I'd journey a little bit further um, and a couple years ago, I decided that I wanted to try psilocybin. Um, that I'd read a couple articles, and there were a lot of there's a lot of research coming out saying that it had these magnificent effects on depression and on anxiety. Um, and so I thought I'd I'd give it a shot. I'd be willing to give anything a shot. Um, little that I know it, it's hard to come by. Um, there's not a lot of people who have it. Um, so I started doing my research, um, found out that psilocybin spores are completely legal in the US. You can buy them online completely legally. It is okay for microscopy purposes to obtain psilocybin spores. So I purchased some psilocybin spores along with some, uh, some rye grain, inoculated that rye grain, and I don't know if any of you have ever grown psilocybin mushrooms, but to actually watch them grow is kind of a magical experience. To see that that mycelium sprout out and 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 really just like grow and take over the medium that it's trying to, to colonize. Um, after a couple months, I let uh, I really let it colonize and, and watch those those mushrooms fruit and from that jar of rye grain, I picked psilocybin mushrooms. Um, I'd never taken them before, didn't know what I was getting into, um, and knew from some of my my trips with marijuana that I just can't do it around other people. I get very much engrossed in, in the emotions and the thoughts of other people as I'm doing it. Um, so I picked them. Um, Took myself to North Carolina, where I knew some people who could lend me a cabin that I could stay in. And took, and I remember distinctly, because I had a scale with me, um, 5.65 grams of psilocybin. um, Because I knew, I I mean, I'd I'd done research and a lot of people said, you better take enough, because if you don't take enough, you're not going to get it. So I said, all right, I'm going to make sure I take enough um i took that 5.65 grams and it showed me things that i never will see again it was again i was a very pragmatic person before i came to these substances and you could have told me day in and day out you're going to you're going to see the heavens you're going to see the aliens from the Palladians. You're going to see things that you'll never see again. And I would have said, no, that, that just doesn't happen. You know but People who say that, they have no idea what they're talking about. Until it happens to you. And it happened. It happened to me. And I saw... I saw... myself from a form that... I couldn't recognize. I saw myself in complete shambles. I saw myself as a child, I saw myself as an animal, I saw myself as an alien. I've seen myself as so many different things that it was hard to to put back into words. And it was from that experience that I that I was able to come back to this world and really feel okay with everything again. That oh Uh, emotional turmoil, oh that's fine, Um, that's nothing compared to having some sort of Mantoid contact you through weird like antennas coming through your head, it's fine. Um, So from then I have not felt depression. Uh, I've felt more free than I've ever felt if I hadn't taken those, you would not see me standing up here talking to you about this. Uh, I, I wouldn't have the courage to, to come out and say that this really did transform who I was. Um, there was the time before I had taken them, and now the time after. And everything that was in between was... I don't know, you're never going to find it. I know I'm not going to, so...
6: That's it.
5: You're listening to The Psychedelic Salon, where people are changing their lives one thought at a time.
0: And uh, I guess I should say that, well, that's not quite it, because I have a couple of songs that I'd like to play for you before we leave today. It's uh, really a happy coincidence that this was a short program today, because just before I started putting it together, I'd gotten off on a kick where I was listening to some of Phil Oakes's music. And uh, at about the same time, I received a CD from Tom Radwick, who is one of our fellow Saloners and who, uh, along with Mark Thebold, comprises the musical group known as the Imperfectionists. And I'll put a link to their website in today's program notes, which you'll find at psychedelicsalon.com. Anyway, uh, I put their new CD on and the first song that they played seemed to hit the same groove as did the Phil Oaks songs that I'd been listening to. Now, if you aren't familiar with Phil Oaks, well, that's probably because you weren't around during the protest against the American War in Vietnam. Back in those days, Phil Oaks was, uh, well, he was about as popular and on the same level as Bob Dylan was back then. They were both singer-songwriters, and they both wrote in-your-face protest songs. Some of my favorite Phil Oakes songs include Tape from California, Flower Lady, and The Draft Dodger Rag. Also, he sang one of my real favorites, I Ain't marching Anymore, and I'm going to play that for you here. But first I'm going to play Homeland by The Imperfectionists, and I'll follow it with I Ain't Marchin' Anymore. I, uh, well, I suspect that both of these tunes are going to give you a lot to think about until next week when I'll begin a new Terrence McKenna series. Come together Don't matter the weather Come in Seek Your
7: Truth We're coming from a belted rust In our leaders we don't trust Been battered and left in the dust Angry, not sure where to go Build a wall at Mexico Who gets locked up, I don't know Hope it won't be me. Hope it won't be me. Home is where we place our bets. Home is where we pay our debts. Wonder if I have regrets, cause I'm still not free. First, how much blood will quench our thirst? Could it go from bad to worse? I have seen my brother try to soldier for his country's lie. Now I hear his widow cry, better safe than free. Ooh. 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 Better safe than free. I don't claim to understand what it takes to run our land. We've got a man with his master plan. How did this come to be? How will we learn to see what it means to be free?
8: song. A protest song is uh, is defined as something a song you don't hear in the radio, and they'll say you don't hear it in the radio because the guy can't sing it, because the words are no good, or as they play the shit that they play these days. But uh, but it's all got to do with the process all, all all around the all around the Western Trail, and that includes. England and France and, and Canada and America they, they have the media syndrome where they control everybody's mind by the use of fairly mindless and mind distorting distortions of the facts which led uh, all of us into the Vietnamese War and led all of us into uh, the Kennedy assassinations. so what can you do I mean here you are a uh, helpless soul a helpless piece of flesh amid, amid all this cruel cruel machinery and and terrible heartless men so you, all you can do is turn away from the filth and hopefully start to build something new someday and it affects all of us it affects the people here too so here's a turning away song